Well, good morning. This summer, I was, went in for my annual physical, and I was sitting there on the thing, and, and the doctor took it, and he, with his little, little thing, you're a doctor, you know, the little thing, and he tapped me on the knee, and I didn't do anything. And he goes, come on, man, help me, help me. So he tapped me a little harder, and I, I gave him a little kick, and okay, we're good, we can go on. Why, why does that little thing matter? Well, I read up on it this week. Uh, the doctor's testing the central nervous system. And if there's no response there, or there's a very exaggerated response, that's a symptom that something could be wrong. And so, if there's a wrong response, then the doctor needs to look a little further what's going on here. Well, Lindsay mentioned gratitude. Uh, Thanksgiving, it, it's a bit like that. It's a symptom of something a little bit more serious in our spiritual lives. And I want to talk about that this morning. So if you've got a Bible, if you'd open it to Psalm 50, Psalm 50, we're going to look at this passage and, and say, uh, why, why does our thanksgiving matter to God? Why does our thanksgiving matter to God? Now, if you took any kind of history course as a little kid, a high school, you realize that back several hundred years ago, the U.S. Uh, had a Thanksgiving service. It became a national holiday uh, later on. Well, well, long before our country and our founding fathers and pilgrims thought about Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving was an idea with God. And uh, it mattered to Him. And so we're going to talk about that today from Psalm 50. Now, this is, Psalm 50 is probably a liturgical piece. That, that means that there were rites that were repeated as the people were called to worship. And so it, it starts this way. Uh, this is a kind of a renewal of a covenant or a commitment to God. It says, verse 1, The mighty one, God the Lord, has spoken and summoned the earth from the rising of the sun to its settings. The, the titles here used for God are reminiscent of those that were used when, when he took Israel out of Egypt and brought them to the promised land, a series of ten plagues, a parting of the Red Sea. This is the mighty God that is calling the people. In verses 2 and 3, uh, we find out they're, they're, they're desperate for, for Him to speak. It says, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God has shown forth. May our God come and not keep silence. Apparently, He's been silent. God, come forth and speak. Fire devours before Him. And it's very temptuous around him. People were desperate for God to speak. I wonder, are we, are we desperate for God to speak? You know, one of the things that troubled me after 9-11 was we looked for our entertainers and our celebrities to lead us in this national trauma. I saw an interview about six months later with Bruce Springsteen, a well-known rock musician. He said, he's from New Jersey. I was at the Jersey Shore, and somebody yelled, Springsteen, we need you. We need you to write a song about what happened at 9-11. I'd argue in, in those times, we need to hear from God. Have we lost sight of that as a culture? As a people, 
These folks were desperate to hear from God. So, so God's speaking, and, and he's calling them. He, he says, uh, he summons the heavens above and the earth to judge his people. This is a summons from God. This is a serious deal. So if you heard me speak before, you know, as a junior in high school, I got caught as a part of a group of guys that got caught with beer at a football game. And, and you know, by, by Monday morning, that news had gone through the school. Everybody knew. And, and about Monday, about 1.30, I was in chemistry class. This is when you had phones in the classrooms and the phone rang. And the teacher said, Andy, they need to see you in the office. And everybody went, ooh, ooh. And I, I thought it was probably a pretty serious call. But when I walked in and the principal and the dean of boys was there, I thought, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty serious deal. Pretty serious deal. Well, this is the God of the earth summoning the people. Pretty serious deal. Really serious deal. Verse 5, he says, gather my godly ones to me. Those who've made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Covenant, it's a commitment, it's a deal. Remember, we signed the first loan papers on our house. It was for $77,000 we were taking a loan. I was making about $22,000 a year when we took that loan. And this is three times what I'm making. This is, this is serious stuff. I, 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 this is pretty, I, I mean... I owe the bank a lot. They owe the house. And, and this is a, we're, we're in covenant with God. Serious, somber deal. And the heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judged. In verse 7, God then speaks, Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. So, so now, God's going to speak. He, this, is, this is what he's called the meeting for. Here's the issue. Here we go, verse 8. I do not reprove you for your sacrifices and your burnt offerings are continually before me. Now, what's he talking about? In the Old Testament, God had the people offer a sacrifice for sin as a reminder that someone innocent has to die for, for, for their affront to God. And see, it was always about the grace of God. It, Lindsay mentioned our Genesis series these were never outstanding people. They were people in need of grace. Abraham was called, and, and God said, I'm, I'm going to give you a son. They didn't have a son. And, and they laughed at God. And they doubted so much that Abraham's wife, Sarah, said, Why don't you take up with a, a, a servant of mine, Ishmael, and why don't you, uh, Hagar, and why don't you conceive a son? And they, uh, they weren't great people. They were in need of the grace of God. Abraham, Isaac, the next one was Jacob. Jacob had horrible character. He was deceptive. He deceived his brother. He took advantage of his father's old age. He was a terrible parent. He, he had favorites, and it was the root cause of, of division in his family. And I could go on. These were people in need of the grace of God like you and like me. And so God instituted this sacrifice system. And remember, this, you're a people that's in need of, of, of cleansing and forgiveness. But somehow they turned this and thought, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something for God. And so God's going to take that on, starting uh, in verse 9. He says, I shall take no young bull out of your house, nor more, more male goats out of your folds. I, I don't need your animals. See, I, don't, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't need your animals. 
For every beast of the field is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains and everything that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, hey, man, I'm really hungry. I need something to eat. I, I, I wouldn't do that. I don't, I don't need that. Why? For the world is mine and all it contains. Shall I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of male goats? I created those things. No, that's a rhetorical question. No, I don't need that. So I don't need anything from you. I will ask this of you. Verse 14. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. What do we have to offer God? Now, you don't need anything. What do we have to offer? We have our thanksgiving, our understanding. He has done great things. Now, I don't think we'll fully understand until eternity how much he's done for us. But God said, you, you, you want to offer something to me? Offer your thanksgiving. And, and he says here, he uses a word, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Some of you, it ain't going great right now. Circumstances aren't lining up like you had hoped. And your God is still sovereign and God is good. And he's calling you to proclaim that goodness. Sometimes when your circumstances don't feel like that, that's a sacrifice of thanksgiving. So here's what God wants, verse 15. Call on me in the day of trouble. Call on me in the day of trouble. Recognize your neediness. Recognize you need me. Call on me, and what will I do? I shall rescue you, and you will honor me. When you and I get past, look what, look what I did. And God, I can't do it without you. And more and more, we're a culture that wants to say, look what I did. Okay, I'll confess. I watched the Michigan game yesterday. And a guy went up and he made a great catch. He went way up and got it. made a great catch, fell on the ground. He got up and you know what he did? He put the football here and he, he did a double flex. And the referee took out his flag and flagged him for 15 yards for unsportsmanlike conduct. But, but that's the nature. Look, look at me. And God said, you ain't done, Jack. Oh, you don't understand, Andy. I got a job. Who do you think gave you that job? Who do you, I, I mean, I got, a, I got a degree. Who do you think gave you the mind to get that degree? Who do you think keeps you alive? God does. Everything we have is from God. And man, if you're in trouble right now and you're crying out to him, man, you're right where God wants you to be. Call out to me and and you will honor me when I deliver you. Remember this? Tap, tap, and and an appropriate response. That that shows that the central nervous system, I, I guess, is okay. Right response with thanksgiving for you and me shows we got a, a right perspective. To agree, we got, we're, 
defined by our thanksgiving, it's, it's, it's typical of us, is the degree to which we're healthy in our understanding of what God's done for us. See, what we're asking this question, why does our thanksgiving matter to God? Our thanksgiving reflects our understanding of our dependence on God. Your thanksgiving and my thanksgiving, it reflects our understanding of our dependence on God. We got married in uh, June of 94, uh, and then the fall of 94, started seminary, and I had a friend whose roommate was, they were upgrading their computers and they were selling their other computers cheap, and so he bought us a computer so I would have a word processor. I started seminary without a word processor. He said, I think you're going to need a word processor. So we did, and we got into that, and, and we loaded um, AOL software. You remember doing that on that? And so, but I, I thought this, this word process is pretty slick. You know, it's a lot easier than typing out your papers. You can change things. And, and so we're going along, and, and then we, we had a little, I guess, a little glitch on, on the computer. Something wasn't right. And my wife said, yeah, I, I, I think I can fix this. You sure? You know, oh, yeah, I got it. I got it. And she's doing this and deleting that. And, and when she gets all done, when you turn it on, all you got is a, a blank screen and a little light. Nothing will load. You sure? You sure you got this? No. No, I, I don't know what to do. Well, you know, like, the papers I'm working on are there, and I got other papers to do, and... Remember, remember we've just had this thing a month. We don't know diddly about computers. But she was working with Campus Crusade at the Colorado School of Mines. And Mines was a really, really brainy school. And there were some really nice guys. So we got on the phone and said, hey, here's what happened. He said, I'll come down. They're up in Golden, so 30, 40 minutes. I'll come down and take a look. And he spent half a day doing I don't know what he does. And when he gets done, it works. It works. Explain, what did you do? And he explained, and I had no idea what he did. But we... We're so grateful. We sent a card, got a little gift card to say what? Thank you. Why? You did something for us that we couldn't have done for ourselves. Our machine was, it was gone. It was toast. And you stepped into the void. Do you understand that's what God does for us? He does for us things we cannot do for ourselves. Starting with writing our relationship with him by sending Jesus to die on the cross. And it goes from there. Well, before we finish this psalm, God has a little bit more to say. He, he's, he's put out with people who know his law, but don't keep it. And that starts in verse 16. But to the wicked, God says, what right have you to tell of my statues and to take my covenant in your mouth? So these are people who know God's law. And there's nothing wrong. That is a great first step to know God's word. And we encourage you to read the Bible because God wants us to put it in practice. And if we don't know it, we can't apply it. But if we know it, we don't apply it, God's got issues. Here's what he says, verse 17, for you hate discipline and you cast my words behind you. 
When you see a thief, you're pleased with him. And you associate with adulterers. And you let your mouth loose in evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You're not honest in what you say. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. That'd be your brother. That's gossip. God said, I got an issue with that. Particularly those who know my law. These things you've done, and I kept silence. You thought that I was just like you. Well, I'm not. I will reprove you and state the case in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you who forget God, or I will tear you in pieces, and there will be none to deliver. And he comes back to his thing. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. You offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving, you honor God, because you're saying, I understand, I'm dependent on you. To him who orders his way right, I will show the salvation of God. We're dependent people. We're nowhere without God. Earlier, the, the psalmist talked about those people who know the word but didn't put it into practice, and it said, you're wicked. And, 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 you know, we're all born in rebellion. And we talk about a reason for thanksgiving. I think it starts with our relationship with God and where we are. And Ephesians 2, 1 through 4, lays this out, if you put that up there. Uh, Paul says this. This is before anyone comes to Christ. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them too, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of our flesh and of the mind. Catch this. We're by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. That's every human being, a child of wrath. Why? We're rebellious against God. Those three verses are are a pretty sad start. I mean, it's, it's a bleak outlook for you and for me. Fortunately, verse 4 starts with the word but. And I see a couple English teachers there, and we know that but is a transition. So there's a transition, and here we go in verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, and that goes on to lay out the gospel, Jesus died. And verses 8 and 9 finish this way, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and these Next six words captured me when I was a freshman in college, not as a result of works. There's nothing you or I can do to be right with God. You want a reason to thank God? You want a reason to proclaim your gratitude? You want a reason to honor God? Let me tell you, it starts with Jesus. You and I have no business, we have no place with God except for Jesus. And then it goes from there. The job, the health, the food, whatever you got, that is from God. So are we characterized by an attitude of thanksgiving? You know, it's an, thanksgiving is an American thing, but, but I hope long before that we realized it was a God thing. And it's a Christian thing. We are people who are indebted to God. And the degree to which we display that, displays how much we realize that and, and where we are in terms of spiritual health. 
are we aware of where we stand with God? This May, Robert Smith went to Morehouse College in Atlanta to give the uh, commencement address. And he finished it as addressed this way. And he was a very wealthy man. By the way, all of you that are sitting out there as graduates, I'm committed to paying off your school debt. And these were a lot of young men and women who were first-generation college students. Their parents didn't come from a lot of money, and they were in big-time debt, and they just wanted to get a college degree. But they would spend the next 20 or 30 years paying off their 60 to 80 to $100,000. And this man said, done. I'll cover it. I think he said up to $40 million. I'll cover it. Can you imagine the gratitude those students felt towards Robert Smith? He had just taken a burden that was going to be with them for maybe the rest of their lives and just lifted that. It's just a picture of what God has done for you. He's taken the burdens, the things that are on us, and he said, I'll, I'll, I'll lift them if you'll trust me. I'll do what you can't do for yourself. Are we people of gratitude? In a minute, I'm going to go to, I'm going to pray. And after that, we're going to have a time of response. You're going to see uh, a card on your chair. As I pray, a couple people are going to move this board over. And we're going to have a time where you can anonymously write down those things or that thing for which you are grateful. Then, if you're willing, I ask you to come up here and just pin it on the board. I'm hoping that we will not only individually but collectively be a people of gratitude. We will take a minute to think at this time of Thanksgiving, for what? Am I grateful? What has God done for me? So after our prayer, we're just going to have a time to reflect. Uh, no pressure. But those of you who fell out, if you'd write that down and put it up here, our um, worship team will come up here and lead us through that, and then they'll close us after a time as we express our gratitude to God. Let me pray, and we'll share in this time together. Our, our Lord in heaven, we're grateful for the reason to be grateful. Jesus Christ. And Lord, sometimes we think about all we don't have in this consumer-driven culture. We don't have this, and we got a marketing strategy that says we need that, and how come, and how come, and that person, and this, and yet you've done so much for us. We're a people that are deeply dependent on you, and sometimes I don't think we realize that. That's not we take a time to think about that dependence and think about what you've done, starting with Jesus, and, and, and we could go from there. Lord, that we would be characterized by gratitude because we're understanding how dependent we are. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.